I don't know if I was supposed to sing or what. I... Good morning, church. What a blessing to be here. Mom, you made the announcements. It's pretty good. Huh? Why don't you stand, Mom? Welcome back, Miss Kay, to the mix. There we go. <clears throat> Today was a very special day. We, uh, we cranked up our unashamed Bible study, uh, which Mom and Dad have been doing uh, over at our campus uh, by the college. Uh, for the last three years, and uh, we've moved it over here a little closer to home. we got some big plans coming up for the uh, university campus for our student work that's going on. And not just there at ULM, but eventually Tech and also Grambling. So be praying about our campus work. Uh, we're super excited uh, what Simon is doing <clears throat> for the kingdom uh, on our college campuses. Also welcome uh, to all of you live streamers, of course, our Fellowship Center uh, here in the, in the big room, as we call it. And a lot of you have come from uh, different places. And one of our guests here today, who's kind of a frequent uh, online uh, watcher and member, uh, brought this gift to us. And we love the gospel symbols. Amen. So thank you for that. We appreciate that. I'm sure to wind up in one of the layers uh, for our Unashamed podcast. So not a lot of you are coming because you've been blessed by that. And uh, it doesn't, we're humbled, but we don't lose sight of that and how special that is. So I just want to say thank you for committing the time to be able to be led by the Word of God. We're about to wrap up our Hebrew study this week, and we're heading on to Mark uh, from there. Kingdom Life Series is what we're talking about. Uh, we just, As I said, we're finishing up Hebrews, and I love that at the end of chapter 12, uh, Hebrews 12, 28 says, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful And so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. Now, a lot of people, that frightens them to think of God in that way, but it shouldn't. Because we're in the kingdom of God, therefore we are consumed by his all-consuming fire. So you know what that makes us? Fired up is what that makes us, right? That's what we are. We're fired up. And I'm fired up because Anderson Stokes is here. Come on up, Anderson. And she's going to read our scripture today. My intel says that she is a third grader at OCS, and shocker, she loves music and art. I can't imagine why. Haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female, and said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. And the two will become one flesh, so they are no longer two but one. Therefore, what God has joined them, let no one separate. Amen. Thank you, Anderson. <clears throat> that was Matthew nineteen four through 6. Marriage. Marriage is what brings us together today. I thought about doing the whole sermon in that voice. Was it? Did you like that? The dream within a dream. So Lisa and I speak uh, around the country, and primarily we get a lot of different opportunities, but primarily we speak about pro-life or pro-life um, causes. Or we speak about marriage. 
and you say, well, how did that happen? Is it because you're expert speakers and you're studying the subject and, you know, have you trained for this your whole life? Well, we're pretty good, but no. We do that because in 1982, Lisa at the age of 16 found out she was pregnant, had nowhere to turn, and had an abortion because she believed the lie that still goes on today. Not a person. Not my baby. In 1999, that and a lot of other baggage that Lisa and I took into our marriage led to a very public meltdown right here at this church. It was ugly. Divorce is. And we were right there. So once again, out of tremendous failure, out of sin and out of pain, we found out that we couldn't do it ourselves. A television show came along. The Little Duck Show, we call it now. And it opened a door in 2015 for us to write a book called A New Season. And in that book, we talked about abortion. We talked about being unfaithful. We talked about what it is to understand and being at divorce door and to have nothing left. Lisa fell in the backyard of our house, and there she cried out to God, if you're there, please rescue me. And he did. And out of that moment, I realized in my own life that if we were going to have a life together, that I too had to be rescued from everything that had held me back. And we talked about it openly in the book, Grace, Forgiveness, Kingdom Redemption. And so out of terrible pain and failure, God did something. But more importantly, we listened finally to what he'd been telling us. We listened to the voice. Same one you read about in Revelation 12. I heard a loud voice in heaven. And the voice said, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down to lie, to cheat, to steal, to kill, to destroy. They triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives so much as to shrink even from death. Therefore, rejoice, you heavens, and you who dwell in them. Can we give a hand clap to rejoicing in heaven for what God does? You see, we had a kingdom community. Right here, that walked alongside, that taught us, that loved us, that mentored us, that helped us heal, and helped us grow. They welcomed us home, this church. John and Paula Godwin, 
Laura Fletcher Keegan, Diane Phillips. Mac and Mary Owen, Randy and Joe Neal Kirby, Tommy and Beverly Emman, so many more, so many of you still here walking alongside other people. We got the opportunity after a few years of healing to start begin doing marriage ministry right here at WFR, and we did it alongside Tommy and Beverly. And I remember the first time we got together and we were praying about what we were going to do. And Tommy said, now, I just don't know if this is going to work, Al. Squirrel. And uh, I said, why is that, Tommy? He said, well, I mean, you and Lisa is just, just everything God's delivered y'all from. I mean, it's just, it's amazing. It's unbelievable. But, you know, Beverly and I are just kind of normal. I mean, we're not... We're not perfect or anything. I mean, we struggle, but, you know, just we hadn't been through any of that stuff y'all went through. And I said, praise the Lord, right? And that was the beauty of us working together. It's not, Mike said it beautifully in, in one of his past. It's not, it's not what you get over. It's what God delivers you through. And that's different things for different couples. And we have to be able to relate to everybody in every season of life. We never want to celebrate the bad, only the overcoming. We are not bound together by sin and pain, but by the blood of Jesus. Really, it's the blood of the Lamb, right? That's what brings the victory. We don't overcome the evil one because we're terrible, but because he is great. That's what brings us together. We talk about our hurts and habits and hang-ups, not because we're proud of them, but because of Christ. Because of him, we overcome. We're made perfect in our weaknesses because of him. When we have been walked alongside with, we tend to walk, want to walk alongside someone else. And that's exactly how Lisa and I got into marriage ministry. People began to call us when things were really falling apart, and they'd say, will you talk to us? Anna Tomlinson called me one day and said she wanted to come in and talk to Lisa and I. I said, come on. And that began an odyssey for the couple that now leads our marriage ministry here at WFR. So, Anna, Trey, would you come up? They're going to share a little bit about their story, but also about what they're doing now for us to be able to have kingdom marriages right here at WFR. So come on up, and I want to have prayer for you guys. Father, I just want to come before you. I'm so thankful for my brother and my sister. I'm so thankful for what they've allowed you to do in their lives individually and as a couple. I pray a blessing on them today as they share with us, as they continue to help heal and help strengthen marriages here through Reengage. Thank you, Father, for your love for them, and thank you for Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Al. Like Al, I get a little emotional 
when I think about Alan Lisa, uh, because the same reason he got emotional for Randy and Joe Neal, uh, they were there for us in some pretty dark times. So uh, Ann and I were really excited to have a chance to be a part of this Kingdom Life series and to talk a little bit about marriage. And uh, apparently in the kingdom of God, we have dominion over animals. All right. So we're we're hiking in Arkansas. Uh, so 21 mile hike. It's not for everyone, but we enjoy it. And so day two, I think we're hiking along a trail and this black bear comes out about 40 yards from us. And I'm like looking for a weapon, uh, which I don't have. I find a pocket knife and Anna's like, we have dominion over that. I'm not worried. It's like, woman, that's a black bear, you know. So, and then Thursday, Sean Tonages and his guys, they come to our yard, and my dog, it's a big dog, it hates Sean, and it hates Sean's guys, and so our dog is barking at Sean and trying to eat one of his guys, and Anna's coming to put our dog in the, in the dog pen, and he's running around because he knows he don't want to go in the pen. Well, Anna just says, in the name of Jesus, stop, and our dog stops and looks up at her. She puts him on a leash. And puts them in the pen. I think, man, I'm... apparently if you invoke the name of Jesus, we have dominion over animals. And so you may want to try that on the next snake or bear that you run across. So we're not here to talk about that. So, But anyway, um, when you look through Scripture from, from cover to cover, from Genesis all the way to Revelations, you, you see this imagery of marriage. Right? You see this marriage language where God is described as the husband, we're described as the bride, and you see God just rejoicing over his bride. And you see it in his relationship with Israel too, where he he uses words like covenant and adultery in response to Israel's rebellion against him. And so you don't have to be a genius to figure out there's something about marriage in this book right here. And I think what God, which by the way, at the end of the story in Revelations, the husband is there, the bride is there, and there's this celebration, like this this wedding. And I think what God may be trying to tell us is like, I want a relationship with you. Just like a husband has with his wife, I want to be one with you also. And I think also what God may be saying is that until you find that relationship, you will always look for it in other places. You will always pursue other lovers until you find that relationship with me. In Malachi 2, God uses more of this marriage language, and he calls marriage the sanctuary of the Lord. The sanctuary of the Lord. Other translations say the Lord's holy institution. And if you think about it, the very first institution ever created was marriage. Before any educational or governmental institution, even before the church, marriage was the very first institution that was created. And I think that's the most important one. Because you think of everything that we, in our society, every relationship, marriage impacts that. You just think about what we do here inside this church. Think about our ministries. Like it impacts Celebrate recovery. It impacts transformations. Many are from broken homes. Not all of them, but many are from broken homes. It impacts heartfelt. It impacts embrace grace. And obviously our, our children's ministry. 
So marriage impacts every relationship on earth. And Satan knows that. He knows he can do his best work in marriage because it impacts every relationship on this planet. So last week, Ryan described, explained the word kingdom, what its meaning actually is, and its rule or authority. So what would be the definition of a kingdom marriage? Because that's what we're talking about today. So a kingdom marriage is a covenant between a man and a woman who are committed to function under the rule and the authority of God so that the example of their marriage could actually replicate God's image to the world. His word tells us that all of God's invisible qualities can be clearly seen in creation. So what I love about God is he gives us something we can touch, we can see, and we can understand to be able to better understand him and how he loves us and how he cares for us. And a kingdom marriage is actually the living, breathing example of God's love for us, his bride, the church. Over in Ephesians, when he's talking about the role of a husband and how he should love his wife and how the wife should be submissive to her husband, at the very end of it, he says, this is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. So are you living a kingdom marriage? under God's rule and authority in your life because you are the example to an unbelieving world of what his love is like. If you're not, then the opposite is true. You're still painting a picture to an unbelieving world, but I'd imagine they're looking at it and they're saying, hmm, yeah, if that's what God's love is like, I think I'll pass. So God loves marriage. And Satan has been trying to destroy it ever since. And the fall does not only represent the fall of man, of man, it represents the fall of marriage. And so no matter where you look today, marriage is being attacked. And because of, because of that, you have a breakdown in the family because of the breakdown in marriage. So Satan hates whatever God loves. So Satan hates you. He hates your marriage. He hates your family. And because of God's plan for marriage to be an example of his love, Satan is constantly seeking to destroy marriage and family. Satan has one tactic, and basically it is to convince us that God's holding out, he doesn't really love us like he says he does, and that somehow we we begin to have these doubts about the actual goodness of God and how good he is. Satan also hates those that are committed to their marriage covenant. Strong marriages are attacked hard. Satan does not want a marriage to last. He also hates people that stand alongside people struggling in their marriage. He, he hates those people that stand up and say, no, you can fight for your marriage because God is good. And you really can have a good marriage if you let God be the one that is in the rule and authority of your marriage. Satan knows That if he can lure a couple into his trap, that he can break their marriage, he can break their family, and boy, are children wounded when they have to live through a divorce. And so if Satan can wound a family and break a marriage, his children are the easiest target when he can get them. He, He doesn't play fair. Satan doesn't wait till we're old enough to understand and make sense of things. He starts when we're very young. So you have these two kingdoms that are at odd 
with each other. The kingdom of this world, which you're familiar with and which I'm very familiar with, too. And you have the kingdom of God and God's kingdom was to rule over his creation. And the way that he chose to do that was through mankind. The heavens belong to God and the earth belongs to man. Man was created to run God's kingdom. And we all know how that went. And we dropped the ball. And because of that, now Satan rules the world. And he has certainly had an influence on marriage in our society. And he has certainly had an impact on our marriage as well. Yeah, so Satan, Satan had a plan for us. And it started way before we ever even met. He, Satan had a plan for Trey and I's marriage. It looked something like sexual trauma in my life, finding my worth in unhealthy relationships, promiscuity, idolizing marriage itself, pushing my will or my plan over seeking and waiting on God's. It looked like me actually wanting to be Trey's idol. I wanted Trey to bow down and worship me. And so I thought, if I could just be the best wife, I'll get the worship that I want. But in doing that, I actually became the worst wife and did the worst thing a wife could ever do to her husband. And it was by cheating on him and having an affair. And then dragging our kids through the hell of not knowing for our oldest two whether or not they were going to have to get a new stepmom. And for our youngest two, if their mom and dad were going to get divorced. And for me, a little social drinking turned into drunkenness. A little light dabbling in pornography turned into perversion, which was brought into the marriage. And that turned into us bringing other people into our sex life. Shocking, I know. If you haven't heard us talk about that before, and we're we're repulsed by it. Now, we don't even remember who those two people were uh, several years ago. And so you should be shocked by it. I hope we hope that you are shocked by that because... It seems like today that sin is really just not that shocking anymore. When you look around in our culture today, it just seems like we're no longer repulsed by sin. It's just everybody's doing it. It's normal. It's not that big a deal. And so we've become desensitized. And so I think that's an issue when it comes to the gospel. Because it's like saying, Jesus, what you did is really not that big a deal. Now, if we have forgotten what the goodness of God Yes. In fact, let me ask you this question. Where would you say the gospel begins? Like, what, what is the starting point from what concept or from what idea does the gospel begin? I think if you're like most people, you'd probably say, well, the, the gospel begins with the brokenness of sin. It begins with a problem. And so because of our problem, our sin problem, we're separated from this holy God. And the only way to deal with that sin problem is through Jesus, because on the cross, Jesus has taken our sin upon himself. And if we believe that, we will receive forgiveness. And then we no longer have a barrier between us and this holy God. And so if you describe the gospel in that way, well, then everything you would have said would have been correct. Because that's exactly what the Bible proclaims. The only problem is it doesn't tell the whole story. Because according to the Bible, the message of the gospel does not begin with the brokenness of sin. It begins with the goodness of the garden and the goodness of God. And why that is important is because until you understand the destructive impact of sin in your life, in your marriage, and how he intended it to be, you will continue to struggle. Sin disfigured 
all that God created good and turned it into something ugly and something broken like you see in our world today. And so the good news is that God is on a mission to take everything that has been disfigured by sin and bring it back into the kingdom in the way that he intended to do. And so what does God do? Because he set it up to run by a man, he says, I need another man, a king, if you will, to come and run my kingdom the way that it was supposed to do. And Ryan mentioned last week that this is not just a physical place that we're waiting on off in the far future. That day will come for sure, and God's will will be reflected when that day comes. But you can have a kingdom marriage today. Jesus often said, like, the kingdom is here, it's now. And when he prayed, he said, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So you can have a kingdom marriage today, and Anna and I want to encourage you a little bit about that. So what does a kingdom marriage actually look like? Well, you surrender your life to the king, and that's regardless if your spouse does or not. You don't wait for your spouse to surrender. You surrender. And what if you're single? That looks like you surrendering now to what God's plan and purpose for your life is. And you wait for him to to send you a spouse that's going to do the same thing. Here's a little side note about this. God works all things for the good of those who love him and for his glory. Even our bad decisions and our not waiting for his will, not seeking his way. But I can promise you this, we are all better off when we do that sooner than later. My marriage was impacted by the decisions I made before I ever got married, before I ever met my husband. So for Trey and I, changing the rule and authority of Satan from Satan's kingdom to having a godly kingdom marriage looked like me finally surrendering every single area of my life over to the rule and the authority of Jesus Christ. It looked like me quitting sitting on that pew, their chairs now, and and checking a bunch of church boxes to be saved. It looked like me to quit playing church and actually getting to know Jesus, not just know about him. It looked like me diving into this book right here, And letting it read me and tell me who I am and whose I am. And that does include that we have dominion and authority over the animal kingdom. To read it, it's in there, he'll tell you. (laughs) So knowing who I was was not that I was Trey's wife or my kid's mom or stepmom or any other title that I have. I'm a child of God, a joint heir with Jesus Christ in the kingdom of God. And so is Trey. But I was no longer going to wait on Trey to do the right thing. I was no longer going to wait till my marriage was fixed to start living out what God has called me to live. And this crazy thing happened. It worked. God's word is true. And when you apply it to your everyday life, what he says will happen, it happens. Then eventually, Trey surrendered his life to God's rule also. And as we each individually sought to allow God to change us and into who he actually purposed us to be all along, our marriage also began to change, and it began to heal. And now it's characterized by grace, forgiveness, humility, admitting and owning our wrongs, 
and be impatient when the other one doesn't. It's honesty, it's patience, it's self-control, it's having a kingdom community, and it's helping other spouses and other people find the same hope and healing that we did just by pointing them to Jesus Christ. Yeah, so uh, Anna's right. We were sitting right over in this area right here going to church. The whole time we were living in sin. So I'm kind of curious about this area. That that row is completely empty. Chad Johnson. But look, it's two rows ahead of them. It's completely empty. (laughs) That's a good thing. But a kingdom marriage is going to look a lot like the king. I know that sounds corny, but it's true because exactly what Anna said. uh, Forgiveness, grace, uh, unconditional love, humility. If I I could give you one verse, it would probably be Philippians 2. You say, but that's not a marriage verse. Yes, it is. It's a marriage verse where Jesus himself gave up the prerogatives of heaven, humbled himself and came down and put our interest ahead of his own. It's the same thing in marriage. We put the other's interest above our own. That's what it looks like to have a kingdom marriage. And see, we all know Jesus as Savior. But do you know him as the ruler of your marriage? So when Anna and I, we, we still have conflict at times. And when we do, I'm no longer the boss. I'm no longer the ruler. She's no longer the boss. She's not the ruler. Jesus Christ is the ruler of our marriage. And so when we're struggling, I'll get my Bible. I'll go to my, my area. She'll go to her area. We'll read. We'll pray. We'll come back together. And guess what? I'm a better man. She's a better woman. And we can have a productive conversation because of that so we just want to encourage you um, that to put your marriage under the lordship of jesus christ and it's not about bringing your values into the kingdom of god it's about bringing kingdom values into your marriage and i promise you and i both promise you that when you do that you won't have a 50 50 chance anymore you won't you won't even have a 90 percent chance you'll have a 100 percent chance of having a successful kingdom marriage when you do it God's way. Thank you all. Wow, what a story. When you walk alongside, you get to see many times when the last wall Satan had built around someone's heart comes down. Lisa and I got to see that with Anna and this water behind me. This, the last wall came down. Tears of joy. For Trey, it was standing at our marriage refresh a few years ago, eight or ten, whenever it was. Them giving their testimony. Then I watched literally the last wall that Satan had built come down. And now they plan and lead our marriage refresh. Don't tell me that God can't change anyone. No one is beyond redemption. Ever. So don't give up on him. Or people. Because if the heart is willing and the walls are torn down, God can do amazing, incredible things. If they moved you today about marriage, on Thursday nights we have a ministry called Reengage. That they lead with Jeremy and Kim and Jonathan Terrace, some other folks as well. And not just if your marriage is in trouble, for sure, yes, you need to be there. But what about serving 
the king and helping other people's marriage, walking alongside people in our community that come here in crisis. If your heart has been moved, please pray about that. These guys were right. Kingdom marriages tend to work best when the participants are both loyal subjects to the realm. In a kingdom marriage, the math is a little bit different. One plus one equals one. Together with Christ. What he can do in us. And I'm just going to tell you this morning, there's a lot riding on this subject. These guys were right. Both for your family, your children, our church, our forever family. But what about our culture? What's happened? What's happened to marriage and family? Satan has blown it apart in such a horrible, ugly, terrible way. You have groups of people now, his foot soldiers, that their number one goal is to destroy family in the American culture. We have to be the front line. We have to be the last line of defense. And the best way you can do that is to strengthen and be willing to share and use your own marriage as a shiny example. It's what's built our civilization. More importantly, it's what can change the current situation. So be bold. Your Facebook page and or however you communicate in the public, be bold about what Christ is doing in you, in your marriage. This is a kingdom battle. And Satan did. Remember, he took Jesus up on that mountain. He looked out and tried to make a deal. He said, they all love me. And Jesus didn't dispute him. But he said, I serve only the Lord my God. And that's who we serve. It begins with our own individual decision. And then it affects our spouse and our family. So if you've never made that decision to make Christ your Lord and your King. Today's the day to bow the knee to the realm. To bow the knee. Jesus is Lord. To be renewed by your faith in him. To believe that he really did come here. What those symbols represent. He really did die for you. He really was raised for you. He's really coming back to get you. Him. And to be renewed we got some water back here. It's nice and warm, I hope. Either way, maybe that last wall can come down for you today. If you have a need, or you want to share something with this church family, why don't you do it while we come, while we stand, while we sing.